I'm Casey T. Welcome to Going Up North, the podcast where I take interesting people out on the lake to try their hand at a family tradition, spear fishing. While we wait the hours for the opportunity to spear a northern, we'll shoot the shit, have some laughs, tell our stories, and hopefully go home with one in the bag. This week, in the seventh episode of season two, I gotta say, I'm so excited to have the opportunity to tell, or more so, to let people tell their stories, that I want to just jump right back into the action here at the last part of the day I spent out with Gina Bernard, catching up and looking to get her first northern in the dark house. And then my folks divorced in 1978, and uh, my mom took a job out in Wyoming, and we moved out there in 1980, 79, 80, something like that. So, went out there and halfway through seventh grade that was horrible starting school after Christmas break in a tiny little town where everybody had gone to school with each other since Mm. kindergarten so I actually moved back my brother stayed out with my mom and I moved back and lived with my dad for the next two years by myself and just would go out to Wyoming in the summers to visit my my mom and my brothers and then my stepdad and then when high school rolled around I had made enough friends where I actually felt more comfortable living with my mom so moved out there and finished 10th 11th and 12th grade out there and then came back to Minnesota to go to college and pretty much been here every year Except those two years I worked in Illinois. So I always kind of consider myself a Minnesota person. Sure. Uh, Wyoming's kind of like a second home. My folks still live, my mom and my stepdad still live, still live out there. So not too far from where I went to school. I did get a Christmas card from my dad this year. Really? Yeah. Like he he won't have anything to do with me. He doesn't call me. He doesn't email me. Um, I haven't physically seen the man since 2008. But a couple of years ago, he started sending me a Christmas card. I don't know if I got one last year, but I wasn't home last year. I was doing the, was in New York Mills at that artist oh, yeah. thing, so I can't remember. There might have been a card when I got back with all the mail that built up over two weeks, but yeah, I got home from work Wednesday, and there was a Christmas card with his handwriting on it or an envelope. I was like, no way. Was. The whole thing just too much for him, or he did. Was there any? Did you have it? Did you have it out with him, or like? No, you know, I, I, I still honestly don't know. Um, my dad is not religious, so, or at least he never was. 
in the 30 plus years I had a relationship with him. So I don't know what on what grounds his um, disapproval or disinterest or whatever it is. Um, but I, I think originally, just like a lot of people, he didn't know what it meant. He didn't, I mean, when I first came out to him, I was still married and, you know, I said earlier, um, you know, when I first came out, it was just to my wife because I needed to be able to tell her this secret. And she was like my most trusted person. And then slowly I widened the circle a little bit. So then I told my mom and my stepdad and, and they were supportive. Didn't understand it really either, but my mom ordered a bunch of books and read up on it and tried to educate herself. Um, but at this time I didn't think I was gonna transition. Um, I just thought it was something I was admitting. Uh and I figured I was going to go to therapy so I could keep working on the dysphoria that I felt but you know I was at the time I thought I was happily married and had a toddler and a little baby and had a job teaching at the high school I mean in my world view I'd, transitioning never really even crossed my mind it was more like I've always felt like this how do I how do I make sense of all those feelings and how do I include the people that I love the most into that truth because like I said living a lie for so many years just it eats away at who you are and so my dad I think I instinctively knew that he wasn't going to be like cool with it or whatever so I didn't tell him Probably maybe close to a year after I told my mom and stepdad, I finally came out to my dad. And at first he was like, he didn't quite get it. He didn't say much on the phone. He's like, well, Sue's staying with you, right? You guys are still going to be married. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, needed to explore these feelings that I've always had. And so he didn't really say much more about it um, until 2007, 2008, where everything came crashing down and uh, my marriage ended. And, and then... Was that spurred by something in particular? I mean, obviously something in particular, but was it like you like were more public about it and it caused problems? Or was it like... Uh, I think what was happening is that as the years went by, um, I was moving ever closer to the reality that I was going to have to address this. For a lot of trans people, it kind of comes in stages, um, especially historically. I think now, today, depending on who your parents are and how supportive your community is, I mean, I see a lot of stories about trans kids that transition really young with the support of their parents, but 
I mean, I knew how I felt when I was five, six. I just didn't know how to say it to anybody, and I don't think there would have been anything anybody could have done any way. Um, but once I started therapy, you know, just talking about it wasn't enough. Like, I had never dressed. I had never... It was all in my head. So one of the first things that I had to do with my therapy was um, talk through all those feelings and talk talk over my thoughts. And then as that became more normal and I was able to express how I really felt, then it was like, well, is this just a, a mental exercise or... Mm. You know, and so then I started going down to the cities and instead of taking one day off and going to my appointment and coming back, I'd like schedule my appointment for a Thursday and then I'd just take Friday off of work and then I'd have Thursday, Friday, Saturday and then I started... Um, so I'd started dressing as a woman and going to my appointment. And that was the next stage. And then I'd drive back to Bemidji and immediately fall into this depression. Mm -hmm. And then it was just ever moving closer to that. So I didn't want a beard because, you know, women don't have beards. So then I started doing electrolysis and so I'm moving ever closer to this reality and as this is happening my wife is moving ever more distant from me right like it just couldn't help but affect our relationship and so it, it just ended up being one of those never enough sort of things so what started as I would never transition I just need to talk about it as it became more real that this is what I was I don't think I suffer from being transgender but I suffered from gender dysphoria and there was no amount of counseling or there was no amount of talking if I didn't transition that was going to change that and so I was just ever moving that that what was acceptable or what was enough to keep me sane mm -hmm. so electrolysis became um, wanted to start hormones but I couldn't start hormones as long as I was married without my um, spouse's approval well I knew I wasn't going to get my spouse's approval to start hormones and so there was always that tension of well if I take this step it's going to mean the end of my marriage and you know I love my wife and I love my kids and so I don't want to do that but I drive down to the cities and be all excited for you know my weekend where I could dress as Gina and, and get in touch with that but then by Sunday afternoon, I'd have to put everything away and drive home. Right. And I would and that, did that, like, did that, um, 
like, uh, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to think, like, did, like, the secret keeping at that point, was that kind of, like, the, the break there where you're like, I can't, like, totally do this weird thing where it's one or the other, or, like, back and forth? Yeah, and, definitely. Like, I'd be all excited, and I'd convince myself on the way down to the cities, like, I'm going down, I'm talking to people at the University of Minnesota, I have, like, you know, this is the nation's top leading program, and sexual health issues so I felt very fortunate that I was only four hours away and I'd have this epiphany that everything was within reach and I just needed to take that final step through and then by the end of the weekend I'd be driving home and I'd be like I'm married I'm a high school teacher in Bemidji this is never gonna I can I can't do this I did all these lists of reasons why I could never follow my art and my truth and so by the time I got back to Bemidji I would just be crushed emotionally again and and then the guilt that that causes because you know you you made a commitment to somebody and you're married to them and you have children with them and I still to this day I'm in love with my ex-wife and my kids are my world so then you have that too you know like how selfish am I being if I was going to do this I should have done this years ago but then telling yourself well years ago I didn't even know I could do this and so it's just that back and forth and trying to keep it all to yourself or just share it with a few people and of course the people you're sharing it with you know if you're married odds are your wife isn't going to want to hear that you want to be a woman or you feel you are a woman and you know she thought she married a man and so there's that tension so even though the irony was when I first went I just wanted to be able to tell her this this the biggest secret about myself and in the end the secret I told her is what destroyed my marriage and so you know, there's that eight-year process of just trying to hold on to something while trying to go towards something at the same time. And it really is a, while you're transitioning, it's 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 very selfish um, if you're, if you don't live alone and you're not all by yourself. I mean, if you have a family and you're trying to transition, it, it ends up consuming you. And what used to consume me quietly in my head ever increasingly kind of consume me in this journey and then what it culminated is I decided in um, the summer of 2007 that I was going to get facial feminization surgery and there's no coming back from that so my wife was like well I'll go to Chicago and I'll nurse you back to health after the surgery but if you if you feminize your face, if you if you change your face, if you're not who I married, that's it. I'll, I'll help you, but we're done. And so then it was like I'd come to that point, and I couldn't, I just could not not be who I was. And so 
to prepare my daughters for the fact that I was going to be away for a week and a half and then come back with a different face, I, at the end of that school year, I told, um, we had like a family meeting and we sat down and we talked to them. And I didn't want them to be, you know, as, as long as I lived with this and it was a deep, dark secret and produced guilt and shame, the last thing I wanted to do is come out to my kids and say, but don't tell anybody because this is a deep, dark secret and it should fill you with shame. So I just told them, I said, this is very, very personal. It's a family issue. Um, but if you need to talk to somebody, you go right ahead. And um, <laughs> my youngest daughter went to school. and uh, She would have been like eight? Uh, I think she was, that was 2007. She was born in 2000, so she was seven. But she went to school and she, um, in a, I mean, as a seven-year-old, I hold her totally faultless, guiltless, blameless. There's nothing that, it was either that or tell him to keep a big secret, and I'm so glad I didn't do that. But she went, and, you know, seven-year-olds, they can't keep their mouths shut. Right. So she went into school, and my youngest daughter actually outed me. <laughs> and then, you know, it just spread like wildfire. wildfire. And then I, uh, I went down, and I, I had the surgery, and then I came back, and um, two thousand eight was. Well, the fall of 2007, and then when I came back, that's when the whole swim team thing happened and lost my coaching job, and it was all this big fiasco. And it was weird because everybody then knew I was trans, but I wasn't living as a woman yet. And like then the secret was out, and it was then my marriage ended, and the cost of that, I ended up um, down in Minneapolis in the suicide ward because when shit got real and it was like okay this is you've made your decisions and now you actually have to do this I wasn't ready I wasn't ready to for the emotional cost of losing my family and so I kind of woke up after my wife filed for divorce and then there was a for sale sign in the yard and I was like what the fuck what did I do I've, I've blown up on my entire life I was a husband I was a father I was a teacher I was a and it felt like I had lost everything it felt like I was just any day the school district was gonna fire me I had a divorce coming and was there pressure there no at that point from the school no I'll you know I'll give you know, say what you want about Bemidji, it's definitely not the most liberal place, but um, my my wife and I went in before I got the facial feminization surgery, because in addition to telling my kids, I was like, I can't, like, go away and have my face all changed and then come back and not say anything to anybody. So she actually went in with me, and we sat down with the human resources director and and I just came clean with him and said, this is what I'm doing this summer. And 
and from the get-go he was like as long as you come in and do the same quality job you've always done you know this this isn't an issue and for Bemidji that's that's pretty amazing actually and so they were very patient you know 2008 I ended up in the hospital and I didn't teach March April or May of that year and then I came out of the hospital and I was divorced and all of a sudden the next school year was about to start and I I'd been living all spring when I was in the hospital I actually transitioned while I was in the hospital and when I came out of the hospital I lived with my brother and sister-in-law who were living in Plymouth at the time and um I had like a no visit order not to come back up to Bemidji because there were too many triggers and everything. So gotcha. I, w I was pretty much just living in the cities that spring and summer with my brother and, and had started to wear women's clothes every day and I was going to therapy again and um, I'd started hormones and and then all of a sudden I get the letter saying back to school teacher workshops or next week you know or whatever and I was like wow and so I purged all my clothes um, and I came back to Bemidji and got a town home and went back to school that fall as Mr. Bernard and so here I am with a feminized face I've been growing my hair out, and everybody knows my secret. Right. Yeah, nobody doesn't know. And I come back to school, and I'm trying to live as this divorced guy. And it was the most awkward fall I've ever had. And so I told the school, I said, I'm gonna, gonna. I had told them I was transitioned already, and that I would come to school as Miss Bernard and then I kind of pushed out and came back as Mr. Bernard and it was just so awkward every day was so awkward and it just was laughable I was like what am I trying to protect there's there's no secret anymore this live your truth but I just couldn't couldn't take that final step and finally I I just said I'm gonna do it at semester break I said I'll finish first semester with the kids I have as Mr. Bernard and then when second semester started well then the school district was like well maybe it would be better to transition at the beginning of a year and at that point I was like no I've been dealing with this since I was five years old it's cost me my marriage and daily you know interaction with my daughters and my professional reputation everybody already knows anyway and I think what's making it awkward is that the last person to accept it seems to be me and so I said goodbye to my first semester kids on a Friday and then we had like a three-day weekend and then uh, second semester started that next Tuesday and I came into school as Miss Bernard and haven't looked back and you know once I did it it was like why the fuck did that take 39 years <laughs> and that would have been 2008 no nine it 2000 january of 2009 is, okay, is yeah. when i transitioned 
and you know you build up all these dragons in your head of what you can't do and why you can't do things and you let fear get the best of you and I'm not saying anybody will ever understand what I went through because unless you're trans you, you just won't but at some point you gotta live your light you gotta live your truth and you can't live for other people and so whether anybody else understands what I went through or not I understood what I was going through and I understood the cost of ignoring it for all those years and so really the the irony the greatest irony is the easiest thing I did was was come to school as Miss Bernard and it I haven't thought about you know that since I mean I think about a lot of things and and you know gender's kind of at the heart of my experience and like I was telling you earlier, this last year, I felt like quite a few personal attacks because of my gender. But just personally, myself, I finally get what everybody, you know, the fact that when you look in the mirror, you just see yourself, you know, and you don't think about your gender. I finally get what that feels like. And for years, it was like I was blind. I, I couldn't see who I was and it felt like everything was fake and everything was a lie and I was just putting everybody on and now I don't have that anymore I mean I still struggle like everybody does life's not perfect but I'm not conflicted over being me or at least that aspect of, of who I am and so ultimately I think it makes me a better teacher and a better parent and a better friend because I'm, I'm not trying to bullshit anybody anymore. I'm not lying or keeping people at arm's length. Which kind of brings us back full circle to why I wrote the poem or why I wrote this series of poems that I've been writing. I've lived with all this shit for so long that it doesn't do any good rattling around in my head. It has a potential, the possibility to do good if I share it. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing for me is that, like this latest collection, there's definitely stuff in there that has to do with my gender, but a lot of it is like with my mental illness and my depression and my anxiety and some of those things that I continue to deal with that aren't really gender related at all but I guess I'm learning you know it took me 39 years to address the gender part trying to do something positive in a more timely manner with some of the other stuff and while many people might not have to deal with gender dysphoria or being trans, I think a lot of people can empathize or relate to being depressed or having anxiety. And So I'm just going to write my truth. Fuck them all if they don't like it. I was going to say, it's a pretty good truth from what I can tell. There's a lot in... I am this girl. And, like, 
even just in, like I say, being there through 07 and then seeing, you know, 09 and then, you know, I don't, I mean, like I say, I've probably asked my sister or my mom, oh, yeah, you see Mrs. Brian, you know, blah, blah. And then reading that book just whatever a month ago, it's like, whew. There's a lot, you know. And like you say, even relatable to fuck some basic straight pseudo middle class white guy, <laughs> you know, like. Well, right. Like our stories are our stories are different, but the the root cause of why we feel the way we f- I mean the cause might be different, but the feelings are the same. Like. Fear and guilt and shame are fear and guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. You don't have to understand it from a trans perspective to understand. Like You don't have to be trans to understand what fear and guilt and shame is. So if if I write about my own and my own sense of coming to grips with who I am and acknowledging that and, and being okay with it, ultimately, I mean, yeah, if you're a cisgendered white heterosexual male doesn't mean that there's nothing you can take from that because in the end I'm writing about being human exactly and I think part of like you said I might not understand the perspective but when you take into account that perspective I think it's extremely effective of like you're saying you're writing about being a human right but if you read it from you know or if you can't you know if you're not in the same place or whatever like you say if it's a different perspective like using that as the lens mm-hmm. not that I'm going to say a word that's going to be awful but like because you don't need to be humanized but like it humanizes yeah. the whole you know what I mean it's like if you can write something that makes me emote or I can make something write something that makes you emote like there it is, right here. This is the level playing field now. Right. We're all fucking... It doesn't matter. any All that other shit, like... You know what I mean? Yep. Like, of course, like you say, yeah, you feel things for different... You know, like, guilt, fear, and shame. Guilt, fear, and shame. Like, whatever filter I'm feeling that or having that put upon me is different, but... The end emotion and the end damage that... To I always, me, it's all about empathy. I think... Um, I think the world needs more empathy. I think our students need more lessons in empathy. I think as we retreat into our phones and our computers and our Facebooks, like that's what we lack. It's it's you get into your sound chamber with your people and it becomes us versus them and I I've used the word already today, but that tribalism of like I'm right, you're wrong, I I don't have to listen to any other perspective. And so I think what's lost in all of that is that humanity. It's it we all need to be humanized. We all need to remember that we are I, I saw what did I see? It was on Facebook. It said racism explained and it had a brown egg, a white egg, and kind of a bluish looking egg. And then underneath that, it had 
the three eggs that had been cracked open and they were frying in a pan and all you saw was the yolk and the, you know. Mm-hmm. And yet, what do we focus on? We focus on the brown, the white, and the blue. Mm-hmm. We focus on, you know, you're gay or you're Republican or what, it, you know, we just label the shit out of people and we label the shit out of ourselves and again I think the reason we do all that labeling in a lot of ways is because we're we're working from a we're working with no empathy and we're working from fear shame and guilt and I I think if we could just cut that shit out Mm. you know there's no reason why this is a perfect example what we're doing today there's no reason why an almost 30 cis white heterosexual guy can't sit in a spearing house with a 49 year old trans woman and talk and fish and share you know whether we don't share the same lens we don't share the same background or or history or you know life experience set but look at what we're doing right and it has nothing to do with all these labels that we might put on one another to keep us from from doing this right and so as i said earlier when i got that email from you my first instinct might have been it's going to be safer to stay in the house but then i lose out on the opportunity of catching up with you and finding out part of your story and having this awesome opportunity of doing a sport that I've never had to try before. And why wasn't I willing to do that initially? Because of fear. Mm-hmm. And so I overcome the fear. I say, yeah, that, that could actually be a fun experience. And I end up having a great day. Even though I will say for the record, we have not yet seen a northern. That's, just joking. No, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's totally fair. It's like you say, it's an exercise which is funny because I was always uh, pretty impatient. <laughs> I was going to say, not one of your strong... No, no. And not even, like, outside of this environment, very much so not. Like, working in a kitchen, you don't have time for patience. Oh, I suppose. <laughs> so when's the new collection coming out? Or uh, well, Let's see. It's been available for pre-order since October Wow! and I thought it was going to drop but I did notice that there was like a a list of books that were available for pre-order and they seem to be dropping like two or three at a time Okay. so I think I'm just in a queue gotcha is it the same press as no this is a press from New York called Claire Songbirds Press okay so I'm now third. I used to be down farther, and then oh, this okay. last batch took those ones off, and now they're available, and now mine's number three. Okay. So I have a feeling it's they must kind of release a few at a time as opposed to so they can, like, work on marketing for those few instead of just deluging market or whatever. With gotcha. So I don't actually know. It's ready. It's been ready to, to be released. They just haven't done it yet. But okay. I thought it was going to be November, but now it's December and we're almost to January, so I have a feeling it'll be early this coming year. 
which is strange because that one was accepted for publication well before I Am This Girl. I Am This Girl happened really fast. Uh, most of that collection was written this summer before I went into the hospital and it got accepted while I was in the hospital and then it got published in October so that actually happened fairly rapidly. This is my kind of thing though I can see getting into this just because I'm not a I'm not a huge let's go out and hang out with a thousand people sort of a gal I'm more of a, a I, part of living in your head all your life is that you get used to being alone mm -hmm. so I, I remember bow hunting was always very that was like my time I could climb up in the tree commune with nature and then I just had lots of time to think and I didn't have to interrupt my thoughts by talking to other people or and I can see coming out here and just kind of having a a nice chill day with your thoughts. Yeah, sometimes it's nice just to turn them off, mm -hmm. like entirely. Oh, true, yeah. Stay in the moment. Or just, you know, not be in your head so hard, you know? Focus on the decoy. Yeah, that's the part I have tried. I'll, I'll get in to my head and I can't get out. I still have problems with that. I spiral, start regretting past mm. or fearing what's going to happen in the future, both of which I have absolutely no fucking control over. Yeah, I know, but you just pretend so hard that you do. Oh, God. Like, oh, yeah, if only. So what's the season on spearing? Is it the same as angling? Just... Whenever you have enough ice to put out? Pretty much. And then it ends in last weekend in February. Okay. So you can angle for a little while longer. I think up here it's like March 14th you have to have your house off or something. It's like halfway through March. Okay. No, that's not. February, April. Yeah, April. Oh, no. Or is it March? January, February, March. March. Yeah, sorry. Wow. Fucking crazy. The months? Really, Casey? <laughs> um, and. But then they like they wanted to make this season longer, so they added to the beginning of it. So technically, spearing starts like the week before Thanksgiving. It's like yo, global warming, homie. Like, Fuck, we don't have ice. Put like, it at the end, not at the beginning. You'd think so, and it's like, and I don't remember having it out. I mean, now it's pretty typical, but like I say, we had it out first or second week in December. So super early. Yeah, it's funny when Erica would complain about kids. She'd be like, "You wouldn't believe." Blah, blah, blah. She'd tell me something. Some kid, and I go, "Yeah, that, no, I'm not surprised. It sounds exactly like I. I would have added a couple of fucks to that, yeah. or you know, it's like." And she's like, "God, you must have been awful." Like, yeah, I was. I really was. I liked our classes together, though. Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, yeah. there's awful and there's... Right. I mean, there's... I mean, there's sardonic awful... Sardonic and there's, sure. like, criminal or something. I don't know. Well, there's awful uh, and there's awful that gets an A, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you can back your shit up. No. Yeah. 
I don't have a lot of patience for the asshole kid who's not willing to, you know, if you're doing your work and you're trying and I can tell there's like a light on upstairs, I'll, like, I can banter and I can right. put up with a lot of shit, but if you're just going to be a bored, petulant little fuck, I have trouble with those students. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of how I felt too. Like, oh, yo, I'm towing the line. Yep. You always and did what... And if you if I step over the line, like I expect to either be made notice of, or like oh. I'm gonna keep pushing it. Right behind, underneath you. Oh, that's a monster! Get the spirit of water. You sure? Yeah, absolutely. Is he gonna get off? Stand it up. Uh, I don't want to lose him. You got him good though. I hope I might want to spear him a second time. Yeah, I do. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that's fine. Do you mind if I take my phone out and get a picture? No, not at all. Oh, oh, shit! Boy, he just came floating in. We can take it outside if you... Yeah, I want one in here too, though, just because... Oh, wow! Hey! That's awesome. He's a big guy, huh? Ooh, he's hissing. So now we can open the door? Yeah, absolutely. Wait, one minute there was just nothing there, and the next minute he just... Got some girth to him, doesn't he? Yeah, or that's she, a, or I don't know. That is a nice one for sure. All right, actually, uh, can you hold this? Hold. Oh, here, I'll move over a little bit, but just hold that knife. Beautiful. Awesome. How's that feel? That feels awesome. Doesn't it? I can totally see myself doing this a lot. Oh wow. Now, how big do you think that is? Oh Jesus. Well, I can probably give you a pretty good guesstimate here. Oh, that's a nice one. Yeah, it is. Whoa! Yeah, that's a fucking big dude. Nice! <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for letting, like, I, he came in on your side, and I was like, no, he's right below you, but then you, like, pulled the line and brought him over, so thank you, thank you, thank you. That's awesome. That only took <laughs> damn near seven hours. Yeah, but just like it's just like bowling, seven hours and look what all, you got. All it takes is a few seconds. <laughs> oh, nice! It's, it's amazing because like his head seems bigger than yeah. Boyd, you're right. You didn't like you don't have to like do that or anything. Just kind of like a little. That went, the weight just went right into him. But look at that. This is where you got him. That's perfect. Wow. Right behind the head, right in the spine. Beautiful. All right. Well, let's go get you one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. Ab- <laughs> absolutely. And we're armed. We have spears. Yeah, right. No fuck with us. I mean, that just makes it... It makes it like all... That was like the cherry and the cream, right? Like, yes. It would have been really fun to do this even if I didn't get anything. Yeah. Or yeah. see anything. Because I was thinking, you know, even if... I just have a tendency to fuck things up. I was like, I'll probably see one and do something wrong. So, to actually get one. That's sweet. And it wasn't... I mean, I wouldn't have cared if it had been two pounds, but... That's a good size one. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Uh-oh. Well, we know they're in the lake. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe now is when they're starting to pick up too, right? Like, when you see them, that rush, you know? Yeah. Just like everything just kind of goes away. You aren't thinking about how long you sat there. No, it's that moment. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah, dude. Yes. That's so awesome. Yes. Yeah, like you say, it's the the cherry for sure, because I like being out here. I like talking to people, but then to, like, have that. And that will definitely be part of the episode. Like, it's definitely going to make it in there. That's cool. (laughs) Monster. Such a rush. It's like... Strand will be happy. Yeah. I told him I was coming out. He's cool. like, all right, all right, nice. I'm trying to think, was there any, had we just kind of played with that thing? Is that when he came in? I, I couldn't tell you. I, I want to say I'd just kind of done that, but maybe not. I mean, all of a sudden, I'm just sitting there, and all of a sudden, it's just like, just no sound, right on it. No, no nothing. And just no. Like, even when I moved it over to kind of pull him into the hole a little bit, yeah. it's like, they're not it's like they don't move you know it's like some weird hardly see anything it's like how are they moving yeah that was neat and i was i kept wondering because of those perch i think i asked you that earlier too i was like will you be able to see it like i didn't know if they're so camouflaged you know and holy shit when he came in i saw him right away (laughs) yeah (laughs) nope like like my buddy said he goes i looked down and then there was a log with flippers right what's that (laughs) that's exactly what it looked like well, this little dude did his job. Good job. I know. We stuck with them. Didn't change them. No. Didn't mix it up. It just makes you wonder, like, how long was that thing just kind of cruising the weed bed? Like, mm-hmm. just kind of, like, hunting or doing whatever. At what point did he come up from the deep or, like, the brake line, mm-hmm. like you said? Or, And how far away can they see these things? I mean. Yeah, I don't know. Was he just over there and saw it? Or did he see it along? It's kind of interesting. Fun. That's so cool. Yeah. So, um, like, I don't have a fillet knife or anything. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna ask you what you want to do because yeah, I can do all kinds of stuff for you. You. Uh, um. Do you enjoy fish? Uh. Yeah. I. I eat fish. Okay. Um. I. I used to have a boat. I had a couple of boats. In my past relationship, my girlfriend was really into fishing, so. We had a, a Lund one summer, and then we sold that, and then and then we broke up. So I haven't been, probably haven't been out in the boat fishing. Maybe two summers ago was the last time I've been. This is the first time I've fished in like two years. Okay. So I like fish, and I like to fish. I just, you know, when you get out of something, you just yeah. don't have 
so I don't have any way to process that fish outside of like a kitchen knife or something. So sure. Well, uh, the but, big ones aren't great to eat fresh, anyways. Okay. Um, how do but you, my dad like, smokes how, how them. You, oh God. Are you into smoked oh, fish? I love smoked fish. All right, you can have that back smoked. All right, excellent. Um, you can have as much of it as you want. Like if you want to give your dad half or split half or sure. however you want to do it. Um, the other thing, I don't know, do you like pickled fish? Oh, I love pickled fish. All right, cool. I love pickled northern. Actually, my ex-girlfriend just pickled some northern that she caught this summer, and we're still talking and stuff, so she brought it over. She did a really good job. Cool, cool. It's nice and firm and yeah, real vinegary. It was good, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll smoke. I'll get my dad to smoke some, and I'll pickle some of it. Okay. And um, I'll get it back to you. Did the experiences? Like I'll never forget this. This is like, I mean, I wouldn't have forgot the day out here, chatting and talking anyway. But I mean, that's like, that's right up there with heroin and deer. Uh, I went up with a buddy once from Brainerd. He and I went up and fished the. The opener on the Rainy River. So oh, I've heard that's crazy. Oh man, we like we didn't hook into like any 30, 31 inch wallies or whatever. But I mean, we were pulling up six, six and a half pound females. That's it was serious. a great weekend. Yeah. And then some eaters too. And but I, uh, I don't, I can't remember if we were trying or I just happened to hook into one accidentally or whatever. But I ended up catching like a fifty six. 55, 56 inch sturgeon. Jeez. And. Did that fight for like an hour? Yeah, it took, I mean, I wouldn't say an hour, but it was definitely a good 15, 20 minutes probably. Yeah. And then on the last day we were there, we hooked into one that we never, we fought it and fought it. I don't know how big that thing was. We fought it and fought it and fought it, and we get it almost up to where you could see it, and then it would run back down. And it ended up, that one was, we'd take turns, like, okay, you do it for a while. And it ended up, wow. just all of a sudden, it was like, boop, and the line went up. We reeled it in, the hook was like three quarters of the way bent down. And wow. So who knows how big that guy was. But that was fun. But this is like that, like that sturgeon I caught. It was just such an experience. I've caught a lot of northern, but just seeing one come in like that and like lining it up, and that's just really cool. I'm just tickled. That's awesome. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, I like doing this because like this that we're doing right now and that's happening with you, like that makes me happy. You know, like big time like that the thrill of the first time like every time you know like yeah and like you said you're not gonna forget it but like you can't like i have it on like right you don't have to recreate the memory or it'll never become false because you can always live that and moment you were, that's like the last thing you said before we got out of the car when we got out here as we were getting out of the car no we were driving out here on the ice and you said something about that like the reason you did this is because you wanted to be able to like, isn't it cool to be able to record the first time you did something? And if you don't record it, you'll never get that first time again. It'll be the first time you recorded it, but it won't be the first time. Right. And so the fact that you were able to 
we were able to do this and actually we got my first time recorded that's so cool yeah it's awesome <laughs> it's awesome and then years from now if you don't if you can't get out to a spear house and you want to really relive it you can just shut yourself in your closet yep put on some headphones push play <laughs> listen to myself babble on about things and then all of a sudden get super excited yeah yeah <laughs> It's awesome. I don't. Yeah, that's the weird thing. That's why you like false memory. Like, if you were to ask me right now, what did you say when it came in? I don't remember exactly what I said. I just remember that I was sitting here, and all of a sudden there was this giant head. Yeah. But I can't remember what I said. I remember you kind of guided him. I know at one point I was like, Mm -hmm. under you, you get him or something. But then you kind of took it and kind of brought him over here and. Right, or like if you went to school on month or you know after the break and you were telling Strand all about it, without having them, you know, what are you going to exactly. say? You're going to be telling this wild story, right. and then that becomes the story, and then you keep adding to it or changing, and maybe not even trying to. It's just not exactly. That's so. the nature of memory. That's yeah. the nature of storytelling, and I'm a storyteller. <laughs> like I am the guy at the party that has twelve drinks and will tell you this story, you know, or whatever, you know, like. Well, you got one now. The time I took my tranny teacher <laughs> northern spearing and she got a big 11-pound northern. That's so cool. That's so cool. See, this is what I was saying earlier. Yeah, what like, if you right? would have said no, What if Bernard? I had said no, like, oh, no, I'm, I want to stay in my pajamas and sit in the house all day. Well, I could have easily done that. I do that so many days, but look at this. Huh. I'm stoked. Me too. I was having a really good day, and I kept thinking, fucking, it's getting close to dark. It's getting close to dark. What time is it? Is it really getting? Three, probably, about now. So what do we got? Another hour? Hour, hour, hour and a half. half? Okay, we got time. We can make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. Let's bring the magic back. Maybe they're swimming in schools. Wolf packs. Yeah. That one's mom. Yeah. Yeah, that was just so cool. Look at me today. Look at this. I was going to say, you're here, (laughs) and we did this today, and that's goddamn good enough for me. I mean, in every sense of the word, it's great. I mean, we saw a few perch and stuff, but I guess I just always assumed. There was a lot more fish. Yeah, Yeah. like there'd just be fish kind of swimming through, and they just would be the ones that you can't spear, but you'd kind of see fish all day going by. Like. Mm hmm. Yeah. So you see it down there, and you're like, it's a fucking shark. <laughs> it's fucking jaws. What is that? Well, and you had said earlier, like, you always see them, and they're a little bigger. And so, like, I saw it, and I was like, that, because you had said, you know, this is about nine or six, whatever, eight, eight nine, inches. Nine. And I was like, so I was kind of looking when he drifted in, and I'm like, no, he's fucking head's about as big as that yeah like, like, that means he's it, big it, <laughs> I was like or am I is it just a like magnification that's one of what the biggest beauty. northerns I've ever caught yeah. in any kind of fishing you know like I say Lake of the Woods I think I caught a maybe a 15 pounder when we were musky fishing one summer I know my dad's caught a couple that are bigger but but generally it's just little hammer handles that you catch yeah exactly Oh, that's pretty... Well, from my perspective, I think you guys moved the house to the perfect spot. (laughs) Yeah, so far. (laughs) So far, man. That's great. Yeah, everything just... It's weird. 
It's like you can still see the bottom, but like everything just gets real hazy or fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. That light diffusion or whatever. Right, and like you can see like a lot of the weeds start to kind of disappear into the background, yep. but then like the higher up, you can still see like the highlights yep. that are catching the light. Yeah, what's left. I like some of those weeds, like that one that's sticking up right down below your feet, which I could see really, really easy yeah. earlier. Now it's like... What a day. Seriously, one of the best I've sat in a long time. To be able to share so much over such a relatively short period of time and to appreciate what the larger implications of human understanding can bear is something I'll always be grateful for. And it's always a rush for me to hear the excitement of someone spearing their first fish. So all in all, a great fucking day. As always, follow along on Facebook and Twitter, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google, or Stitcher, give us a like and a share, tell your friends. Thanks for listening. I'm Casey T, and this is Going Up North.